Alrighty, welcome to the first episode of Me and Jim's podcast. Welcome, guys. Thank you for everyone who is uh, tuning in today. Me and I was talking to Jim about it in my free time. I spend a lot of my time listening to other people's podcasts, and I think it's really interesting. I think the art form is really cool. So I mentioned it to Jimmy, and he decided that it was a. He thought it was also a really good idea. So I appreciate it, Jim. Yeah, no problem. What type of podcast do you like listening to? So a little bit of everything. You know, there's some there's some decent long type of history podcasts that I'm into where these guys go and deep dives and history and that type of thing but I also like sports podcasts and podcasts on just like culture and you know a little bit of everything is what I'm interested are you do you listen to any podcasts I listen to I listen to only one type of podcast just a little bitcoin podcasts and then uh um anything that's related to that like computer science so that's really cool. That's uh, one thing I really like about podcasting is that you can literally find a podcast about anything you oh, want. Yeah. Like it's it doesn't insane. have to be about one specific topic. If you're interested in something and you look it up on any type of podcasting platform, you'll find something on there. Oh, yeah. Like it's not as it's not as restrictive as it once was on that type of thing. So yeah, yeah. The realm of podcasting has definitely grown, and that's something hopefully we can explore as we go along this journey. But. So for those of you who may not know a little bit about us, me and Jimmy grew up in the same town with the high school, graduated high school, and you know now we're starting a podcast together. So I'm very excited to be back in the home state of Nebraska and to you know be sharing our experience with you guys. Big things going on in my life. I know it's something that I'm interested in. I don't know as much about you, Jim. Um, the NBA conference finals are going on. So these conference finals are pretty interesting because the matchups are not what a lot of people expected, especially in the Western Conference. Eastern Conference, you could have guessed that these two opponents were probably going to be there, uh, the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Um, the Boston Celtics are led by Jason Tatum, who is just on an onslaught right now in the NBA. He is destroying any opposition, any defense that these coaches are trying to put in his way. And even if he's not being the one to make the moves, he's passing it, getting it to the people that he needs to, uh, to put his team in a position to win, and that's why the series is tied right now, 2-2, it's definitely been a battle between, you know, Jason Tatum, and then on the Miami Heat side, they have Bam Adebayo, and uh, Jimmy Butler, who, those two guys are really just playing a great brand of basketball on both sides of the court, those two-way players, um, for the Miami Heat are a staple of that organization they have been for years now uh, but that type of player is really what builds up those finals and championship teams for them and they're playing like it um, Jimmy Butler bounced around the last couple of years started with the Bulls ended up with the Timberwolves then was on the Sixers for a little while and is now finally kind of found his home spot with Miami he's getting he could possibly be heading back to his second conference finals in the last four years or the second NBA finals in the last four years um, that's a big step for that organization. And on the other side with the Western Conference Finals, you got the Mavs and the Warriors series going on. So the Mavs are or the excuse me, the Mavs are currently down in that series, three to zero against the Golden State Warriors, um, with a chance for the Warriors to sweep tonight in that game. Stephen Curry is playing some of his best brand of basketball that he's ever played in his entire career. Um, I was seeing some memes the other day about where in 2016 where Stephen Curry was considered among the all greats for point guards um, he wasn't even on the list of players in the league currently and to think now that he's considered one of the GOAT players of all time and the way that he's impacted the sport is just crazy so watching him play uh, the way that he does right now in the middle of his career is very insane and something that I'm thankful to watch as an NBA fan that's awesome yeah you know you know quite a bit about the NBA. Yeah, you know, I watch NBA a lot. Um, and one thing about watching the NBA is that I get to see a lot of cool, you know, highlights and dunks because I follow a lot of those accounts on social media. And one of the highlights that I wanted to talk about and show you, Jim, while we were on here was uh, this dunk by Andrew Wiggins that he dunked on Luka Doncic in the Game 3 of that series. And it is an insane dunk. So I'll pull it up here and you can watch it and you can react to it live for the fans. <laughs> Dude, that's uh, that is a 46-inch vertical by a player who is 
honestly extremely underrated in the NBA up until this year. So finally, for the first time in his career, he's finally getting some recognition from guys around the league. Uh, he's an all-star um, in his own right, even though the way that he got there is a little sketchy. I don't have you. Do you know about that? No, I don't. I actually don't know about this guy at all. So Andrew Wiggins uh, started his career in the Timberwolves. He was considered to be like the next LeBron James type guy is what they were saying when he was coming up. Well, as he was coming up, uh, he became an average player. Like, he was good, but he was never great, like a lot of people expected him to be in the NBA. Um, he was just kind of this middle-of-the-road player when he was into the Timberwolves, and then he got traded for D'Angelo Russell um, to the Golden State Warriors, and that's when his career really started to flourish for him. And from there, uh, he's really grown as a player. Well, this year, when he was right before the All-Star game was about to start, a K-pop artist came and visited their arena. And this guy has about 500 million followers or something like that. Something crazy. Well, he posts on his social media, go vote for Andrew Wiggins to be in the All-Star game because the format for NBA All-Star games now is the fans get to vote. It's oh. It has nothing to do with, like, the coaches voting. The coaches vote on the bench and who the reserves are going to be. But the starting players and the coaches are all designed by fan vote. So, Andrew Wiggins was a starter on the NBA All-Star team because of this K-pop artist. Interesting. Has nothing to do with NBA basketball, but it was directly <laughs> in charge of getting Andrew Wiggins' All-Star uh, selection. Yeah, that, which that was, could be seen as controversial. It, it was a little controversial in the community, so I, real NBA fans weren't too happy about that. So, <laughs> I, I thought I thought a lot of the banter between, you know, NBA fans during that time was pretty funny. So, um, Well, now that we've talked about that, we can get to a little bit. Uh, something a little bit more home, homegrown for us with yeah. our Nebraska Cornhuskers. So I love them. I know you gotta love them. You know, every year you kind of hear this, uh, kind of hear this banter from it within the organization. So, and you never know whether it's really hype being built up within the hurricane of hope that is living in Nebraska, especially seeing coming off the year that we had this year. But you know, seeing what recruits that Scott Frost and his coaching staff this year being able to put it in is becoming pretty impressive so if we look at the list right now um of the 2020 at least just if we're talking just the transfer portal uh we got the number one player in the transfer portal this year and deando sean mathis which was a huge grab that is pretty good one That's... of our best o-linemen and edge rushers since nandamakin sue and then pair him with another incredible grab that we got this week um it's the highest-touted defensive tackle rated since the Dominican suit is what I saw on Twitter today. Hmm. Uh, and that's Stephon Wynn, who is a former Alabama D-tackle. So he's going to be a monster on our D-line. Then we also have other players like Tommy Hill, who transferred from ASU. Kane Williams, a safety, who transferred from Alabama. Uh, so we're getting a lot of good guys. We had a couple guys transfer out, like Casey Thompson, a D-end, who was expected to get a lot of minutes. But we brought in, and then we also lost a big player in Adrian Martinez. But you know, yeah. See you later, bud. So what do you what do you say to the people who, uh, you know, there's always people saying we we're getting new guys, new good guys every year. What do you say to those those haters that are always like, well, I would say the transfer portal is a new process. You know, I think with every year, our coaching staff has shown that the guys they're bringing in are are way better than the guys that they had previously. So we're replacing talent with better talent. Okay. So I honestly, I don't have a problem with the transfer portal as long as the guys that you're bringing in are committed and they're not just going to turn around and do the same thing that they did to their old team to us because that's not something that we want for our culture or our players to build around. You know, being as the, you know, the Huskers have a big culture with walk-ons and that type of thing. You know, we know some of those personally. Mm -hmm. So, Growing up as a kid, you having that hope that you could be a Cornhusker is something that, you know, is something that everybody strives for when you play football. So having that culture and then the fan base surrounding Nebraska football is kind of what makes this spot such a landing, uh, lo- such a location of interest for a lot of these transfer players. So I think, and a lot of the coaches that we brought in this year are helping with that transfer. So the LSU wide receiver coach, the former LSU wide receiver coach that we brought in to be our wide receiver coach, is bringing in like three or four different wide receiver transfers. And Trevon Palmer, um, Omar, or no, Omar Brown is a 
cornerback, excuse me. But Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, like a lot of these guys who are highly touted wide receivers in the transfer portal, are being brought here not only because of our wide receiver coach, but because of our two highly touted quarterbacks that we brought in, in Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy. So there's a lot to be excited about in this upcoming season, and we can take a look at the schedule that we have this year. Starting out with the game against Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland yes. on August 27th. I'm excited for that. That game is going to be so interesting. It'll be a later – I think it's a later game. I know it's uh, to be determined for the time right now, but I believe it's – I can't imagine – <coughs> Excuse me, that it'd be an early morning game. I'd have to imagine it'd be probably a later game in the day for us, not for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, you know, we're going to have a good opportunity to walk through a decent chunk of our season this year. I know we, a lot of people say that every year, but I'm talking Northwestern, who, you know, that's a coin flip because they could be a competitive team next year or they could take a step back in the, in the Big Ten, you know. Uh, you never know with those types of teams. So you got Northwestern to kick it off in Dublin. And then you come out with North Dakota, who should be an opponent that we should knock off fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Georgia Southern, another opponent we should knock off fairly easily. And then Oklahoma, which was supposed to be a tougher game for us, which, judging by their transfers out and the loss of their head coach in Lincoln Riley, it's not looking like a lot of their um, a lot of their transfers that they're bringing in are going to be the caliber that, of what they lost. So unlike us, where we're replacing talent with better talent, they're replacing better talent with worse talent. So we'll see how that September 17th game in Lincoln goes this year. So that could be an interesting game to go to and, you know, watch and see how our team actually performs because outside of that Dublin Island game, those first three games are all in Memorial Stadium. So those will be, that'll be an interesting sept- month of September, especially in those first three weeks. Yeah, we got yeah a lot of home games in the early season, which lot, is nice. Which is nice, but then, and then like I was saying, so once we get through Oklahoma. Now we face Indiana, which is starting to get into more Big Ten conference play. So we go Indiana, Rutgers, which is at Rutgers, versus Indiana at home. So those first four games of our season are all at home, which is crazy. And then we turn around and go for our first away game, not including the Dublin game, which is at Rutgers, which should be a fairly easy game unless they turn their organization around, which they could through the transfer portal now. Um, then Purdue, and then Illinois, and then this is where our schedule starts getting tough is the final four games of our stretch. So realistically, looking at the schedule, we could go 6-0, and maybe 7-0, and maybe even 8-0 and going into our last four stretch of our season, which would be huge momentum going into the roughest part of our uh, schedule. So after October ends, right after Halloween, that following Saturday, we play Minnesota at Lincoln which will be our first, like, tougher game because Minnesota's an up-and-coming team in the Big Ten. They've showed that, you know, they are a competitive team and they're not going to just get knocked off like they have been in the past. So it's interesting to see their growth in the Big Ten um, alongside Nebraska and a couple other teams. And then after following that, we go to Michigan to base Michigan and Ann Arbor. Um, I know that that team's lost a lot of players. You know, they lost their top D end in Aiden Hutchinson, who went number two to my Detroit Lions in the draft piece up to those to those boys I hope they do better in this upcoming season um but Michigan's still going to be tough you know Jim Harbaugh is not a coach that you mess around with and his coaching staff obviously was shaken up but he's still going to come to coach the win so he's definitely going to try to win win the Big Ten again if he can and try to make it to that college football playoffs um after that we go face Wisconsin at home and then we turn around right after that to go play our rivalry game in Iowa. So oh, yeah. we had a tough stretch those last four games in the schedule, and it, it'll really depend on the momentum we can gain in those first you know, five, six games of our season and if we can carry that throughout the rest. So Yeah, it always seems like we, uh, we always like play the easy teams, and then by the end of the season we're playing some pretty hard teams. I don't know if that's the way that the schedule is supposed to be set up. I mean, obviously, like, once you get towards the end of the year, you're facing, like, conference yeah. and, uh, like, playoffs. So, obviously, the competition should be getting a little tougher. But it always seems like, you're right, we do kind of stack our Big Ten our Big Ten opponents towards the back end of our season. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know whether that's intentional or not, but it'll be something that, like I said, I think the momentum will be a big factor on that. And we'll have to see, you know, 
what the team's going to do from that point, how the new additions and not only players but in the coaching staff with our new offensive coordinator, running back, wide receiver coach. So we got a lot of question marks on the team and obviously you can't do anything with moving the ball without no line. So we'll see how we'll see how we do on the O line front. So Yeah. Hopefully that does that was that was some problem I had with the the team last That's year. That's always the a problem that we seem rough. to have with the team, which I don't understand from hearing what we do with the nineties, it seems like our O line was our strength and to see an O-line that has been unimpressive for years and years in a row is kind of underwhelming as a Nebraska fan, and I think a lot of people listening to this can probably relate to that. So yeah. hopefully we see a big turnaround in that in that part of the offense. I agree, Jim. All right. So if some of you guys don't know, me and James both technically work for the Walmart organization. You know, I work for Walmart full-time right now while I'm going to school. And James, where do you work? A little higher class, uh, Sam's Club. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> James always makes those <laughs> jokes about the higher class employee or the higher class customers he gets his Sam's Club, but whatever. You know what? Whatever pays the bills at the <laughs> end of the day. But when we were talking, me and James always talk about a lot of the things that we've learned working at these retail jobs, and you see a little, like James was mentioning right there, you see a little bit of every slice of life working, especially working at Walmart for me. So um, today we're going to talk about some of the things that we've learned uh, in these retail jobs that are kind of going to stick with us the rest of our life and what those experiences have kind of, you know, what what we've learned from them and how it will stay with us the rest of our life. So I think the first thing that I learned working one of these jobs is that the attitude that you bring in every morning is going to dictate the attitude that you're going to have the rest of your work day. Um, if you come in having a bad attitude about your day, uh, if, you're, if you don't want to be there the second that you get there, the rest of your day is going to be miserable. The time's going to go slowly. You're gonna dislike every single thing that you're told to do that day like regardless if it's a hard task or if it's a menial task that you can get done fairly quickly like the way that you think about your work day truly does impact the way that the rest of your day is gonna go for the most part obviously there's a lot of things that are gonna happen in those situations that are out of your control um but for the most part controlling what you can control and your attitude is definitely something you can control so Treating people with kindness and just having manners for other people is something that I think is really important, and especially and when you're working those jobs, but also just interacting with people in public in general, like having just a kind attitude towards somebody, because at the end of the day, you don't know what that person has going on. You don't know, even if it's something small, like that could really be ruining their day. So just showing that person kindness may help a little bit. So I think that's important while working those jobs. Um, and nobody wants to be helped by somebody who's got a shitty attitude anyway. Like, that's the worst thing. If you're having a bad day and you have to go in and get help by somebody who's also having a bad day, like, you're just around somebody who's also giving off those bad vibes. Like, you don't want to have to deal with that type of thing. So, um, that was a big thing that I learned. So, attitude is huge. Uh, people will look through you no matter what without a second thought. If they're trying to get something that they want. That's the second thing that I've learned. Um, a lot of times when people need something, they are more invested in their need for that item than they are in treating you like an individual. So there's so many times working at Walmart that, that you literally just watch people look through you. Like they will literally, you'll be in an aisle and they will look through you to find an item on the shelf, which is perfectly fine. Like I have no problem with you looking around me to find an item. But at the end of the day, we still exist. Like there's somebody stocking that shelf that's standing there and some of these people in the older generations don't understand that they mm -hmm. literally just look through you or they will just stand in front of you and then we're like oh excuse me they're like oh i'm so sorry i didn't see you there and it's like really because <laughs> you looked at me right before you stood in front of me so as much as you want to say that you didn't see me i'm sure you did so situations like that just like being looked through is something that i definitely had to get used to when i first started because it was I took it personally at first, which is something that another thing in those jobs which I'll get on to later, but you can't take things personally in a retail job. Like you just can't. The way that people treat you as a worker is not the way that they would treat you as a person. Those things are not connected in people's minds, which is something that's very odd to me. Um but forcing yourself to do things is also super important in those jobs. Like Yeah, it is. Because if you can overcome the way that you feel about having to do things you'll be able to get so much more done because if you just say i have to do it 
rather than giving yourself all these options to do other things, I found that limiting what you can do in reality makes those choices that much easier. Like it's not even a second thought in doing something that you don't want to do when it's your only option. So I think those things in my real job, I will definitely take with me and I will remember the rest of my life because some of those experiences, like we just talked about being looked through, like those things you don't forget. Like those are things that will shape the way that I look at people the rest of my life, the way that I go shopping the rest of my life, the way that I interact in my everyday life because the way that those situations made me feel, the way that those situations impacted those around me and just like the way I saw what it does to people to be looked at like that for years. Like they get bitter and just so down. So like I've learned a lot in my retail job. Like don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things I've learned, but those things in particular really have stood out to me. So Yeah, that's 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 really good. And if there are a couple things that you could say about your experience at Sam's, I know it's probably a little different, but Yeah, what? no, it's that's actually close to the same thing. Um I got at least two things here. One is uh at Sam's, you get, you get a lot more, uh, like, business owners, maybe, and they think they know what's best for them, and I think I know what's best for them, and um, they, maybe not rea- they may not realize, like, we don't have this item here, but they need this item, and uh, I have to explain to them, like, yeah, we're, we don't have this item. Um, one example uh, is this one dude asked for paper, uh, freezer paper, um, I don't know what it is, uh, but yeah, he, like he kept on telling me like I need this and I know this is here and I was like no we we don't have this here so they just can't sometimes they can't get past uh, like it's it's good for us to you know do the best we can but like we're doing the best we can uh, yeah a lot of it. people don't understand that, that yeah like at the end of the day that the people that are like there are some people who aren't gonna try and like obviously customers are going to understand that but mm-hmm. they have a hard time differentiating between the people who aren't trying and the people that know their job very well so like when you're like do you guys have freezer paper here and he goes no or and we go no we don't have this like checked my back room it's not there mm-hmm. well online it says that you have that i'm sorry online's wrong i'm not the person running up my online website it's completely automated so mm-hmm. i'll let someone know that it's a problem but that's the best thing I can do. Like, I'm sorry that you wasted your time. And I am I think the funniest thing is when people try to make you feel bad about that. Oh, when oh, they're like, oh when yeah. When they're like, oh, well, I just drove an hour. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't. Oh, yeah. I'm not holding it in the back for to take home later for myself. Like, if we had it in the back, I would genuinely give it to you. Yeah. But, right, like, we don't have these things. I watched that happen. With, and this is a tough situation. So the formula shortage that's going on, mm-hmm. it's there's plants are closing down. Like, all that stuff's so crazy. And I can't even imagine being a parent right now trying to find formula for your kids and having that situation. But regardless, I watched two different ladies come in and, like, scream at workers at my old Walmart because they didn't know anything about, oh. about our formula. And they're like, Where's the formula at? And they're like, it would be here if we had it, but unfortunately we don't have any. And they're like, do you want me to go check in the back for you? They go check in the back, come back out, and get screamed at for not knowing where the formula's at. So, like, I that that situation's a little more tough because, like, it's it hits close to home. But regardless, like, you have to understand that these people are doing the best that they can, like mm-hmm. you said, that, like, they're not cutting you short because they're being lazy. Like, if we genuinely had it, we would find it. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and like even, like I'm, I'm just a stupid college kid here. I don't, I don't manage the the entire place. I just, I just stock most of the time. Yeah, you're so right. I'm not the it. store manager. I don't yeah. know the ins and outs of this building. Yeah. If, I think it's the funniest when like I don't know if it, in my so in Walmart I work on one side of the store, and people will literally come up to the sporting goods counter and be like, "Do you know where almonds are at?" Oh yeah, that's... and I'm like, okay, that's like I have no problem answering and directing you, but could you be like? do you know where the food's at? And I'm like, yeah, it's on the other side of the store. It's over there. But, like, you're asking for a very specific item in an area where it's guns, ammo, and worms. So, mm-hmm. like, you're not going to find almonds on my side of the store, ma'am. Yeah, that's I, I, I deal with those same things. Like, I'm in the freezer aisle trying to stock some frozen chicken, and they ask me, yeah, where the, where the, where the crackers are. And I probably should know that, um, but... 
maybe and they, I've been down that aisle yeah, before, but, so it's not like it's um it's somewhere in the store. I can I'll tell t- you that they're I'll here. Tell you it's not here. Yeah, it's not in this aisle. You're gonna have to go that way. So, no, trust me, I definitely understand those situations, and those are those can definitely be awkward, especially like you said when they can't wrap their mind around that we're doing the best that we can, mm-hmm. and if we weren't, you would probably know. So yeah, one more thing I've also learned is uh, like what well, like you said the attitude. Um, when I'm tired and like if I like pinch my finger on a box or something, if I'm tired or if I'm not tired depends on like how much it hurts. Mm-hmm. And then that, like you said, that goes along for the rest of the day. And like you got like three hours left to work, um, and you're tired. You you want to kill someone? Not yeah. really, but I mean, so <laughs> those littlest things get on your nerves like it is the end of the world mm-hmm. when you're tired at the end. Especially of your that weird coworker that keeps on talking and the one, yes, stop. the one that throws you the attitude yeah. and all that stuff. Yes, yes, I know. I completely understand those situations all. At once it gets towards the end of the day when you're tired, it you're counting down the seconds, and that's one thing that I've noticed is that the more I check the clock, the slower it goes. Oh, if yeah. I can just go without looking at the clock for like a thirty minute stretches. I'll be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But it's when I'm checking that clock like every 10 minutes that it's like, all right, I got to stop. Like this is this is slowly becoming a problem for me and I won't be able to stop myself. So, yeah. But you're right. It definitely depends on my attitude for that day. Do you guys got walkie-talkies? Yeah, we do have walkies. It depends on the day whether I get it though. So sometimes they'll give me a walkie and other times I just kind of walk around and then they come find me if they need me. So Yeah, that's that's us too. We, do, we don't have enough for every person. Yeah, so... so and they're supposed to at some point get to the point where the one of the apps is a walkie-talkie on our phones mm. so that we'll, you're allowed to now have one AirPod in during each session. That'd be nice. So you'll walk around with an AirPod in while you work and it'll be a walkie-talkie. But I'm assuming you can probably also listen to things and get away with that. Uh, if it's your personal phone. So we'll have to see how that goes. But, yeah, no, retail definitely teaches you a lot about life. And the last thing I'll talk about within retail that I've learned is that the class that you are a part of in life, like your social class, means absolutely nothing about you. Like, the people who drive the nicest cars, like if you're going by the stereotype, they should be, like, stuck up and rude. A lot of those people are extremely nice. And, mm-hmm. like, a lot of those people will give you zero problems in everything that you do. Sometimes those people are the worst people that you'll deal with the rest of the day. Some of those single moms who come in are awful. Like, they're terrible. Like, they throw you the <laughs> worst attitude that you ever have experienced. Like, they'll be like, hey, how is it going? Like, dispensing an order to somebody's car, putting it in the back. Like, hey, how's it going? They'll be like, put it in the back. Like, I don't even know if you're the person that I'm supposed to be giving these groceries to, but okay. So, uh, sometimes you just squish their bread a little bit when you're doing that and put that in. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's one thing is that class does not mean anything about you. Like the type of car you drive, the type of clothes you wear, like that could mean very little about the type of person you are. And that shows very strongly in those types of situations so yeah and you got a lot more volume of people too uh i bet going through walmart like yeah because uh at sam's like we get we get people and uh they're there for like an hour and a half i've seen i've seen someone like after i get to lunch they're they're still there after i get from lunch they're still there and shopping at walmart they get some people just get like one item and they're gone sometimes but then there's we have that same situation really? there, we have worse there'd be sometimes i'll help they'll ask me a question in the morning when they first get there and then when i'm coming back from my lunch like three hours later they're walking out with their groceries and it's not even a full cart and i'm like you just walked around for at least three hours because you asked me that question at nine o'clock and it's now one o'clock so you've been walking around for three four hours doing what in walmart like Dude, there's NPCs, not man literally NPCs. they walk around and look for human interaction which <laughs> i mean if you, at this point if you're that old and you can't understand technology maybe that's what you need is to go out to a store and have that human interaction but i cannot relate to that on a personal level so yeah that is definitely beyond me but 
Getting into our next segment, Jim, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about some Bitcoin? I know that's Dude, something that's kind of close to home for you. It's I'm like, so excited to talk about this. It is a big uh, topic of interest for you, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about Bitcoin, Jim. So what what's going on with Bitcoin? I've heard that there's been a recent dip in crypto. Yeah, so and you, there's kind of been a drop recently, and people are kind of freaking out. Not, but I heard a lot of people also saying that it was a good thing that you should buy that dip and just move on. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so a little disclaimer here. I own Bitcoin, um, and I think Bitcoin, you may not agree with me, but I think Bitcoin uh, does not equal crypto and is will be the only the only important, uh, the only crypto that does exist in the long run. Uh, so getting that out of the way. Um, yeah, I think the dip is just uh, part of the part of the cycle. So Bitcoin usually has uh, every four years it halves uh, the the amount. The amount getting, the amount pretty much getting printed off for the amount created in Bitcoin uh, halves every four years, and so um, that's what creates cycles. And so, right after a halving, uh, the the market goes up in Bitcoin, and then after like a big peak, it goes down. And so uh, we're on that downtrend right now from sixty nine thousand. So, but I'm, oh look at that! I literally just I. I uh, Every hour, I put in about fifty cents uh, into Bitcoin and just hit that hour mark. So I bought fifty more cents of Bitcoin, and I don't plan on stopping until Bitcoin probably hits around a million dollars, if it ever does. I don't really, um, I'm not too worried about the price. I I like the actual uh, the 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 utility of Bitcoin. So one thing about Bitcoin that I heard today um, that I had a question about is that I heard that Bitcoin's a limited supply. Yeah. Like there's a limited number of Bitcoin. So how does that situation work? Like if if in reality of like when people talk theoretically about Bitcoin, if they wanted it to be the centralized currency, how would it work if there's a limited amount? Yeah, so 21 million, that's the max that they'll ever be. And it'll probably be less because people lose their uh, their private keys and, you know, Bitcoin, some yeah. Bitcoin's lost forever. Uh, and... So, you know, 21 million, that doesn't seem like a lot because there's more than 21 million people in the world. But uh, 21 million Bitcoin, so 1 million, one Bitcoin can be split up into 100 million what are called Satoshis. And so that's um, 21 million times 100 million. Uh, So um, in terms of like if there's enough for people, we got enough uh, because the amount that I think it's something... Uh, it's above quadrillion. I don't really know. So there's the a there's a large quantity yeah, out there. Everyone people. will be able to have. Like, so yeah. So that, so Bitcoin in terms of like wealth would be like a cent like a sixty thousand dollar bill, and then you could break it up into like dollars. And yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. Exactly so you could still okay. That was one question that I didn't understand about Bitcoin. I didn't know if you could because mm-hmm. I know you can buy partials of Bitcoin. Like you can buy half a Bitcoin. Um, but I didn't know if it did like break down into yeah. So yeah, you you can um, like the the community. I don't like to call ourselves a community, but like yeah, the community I am in. We don't we don't really talk about Bitcoin. We talk about Sats. We call them Sats or Satoshi's. So one 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 hundredth millionth of a Bitcoin. So um, if you wouldn't call it a community, what would you consider like the big the people who are interested and in, are uh, involved in Bitcoin? Man, I don't know. Um, it's it's funny because uh, the only reason I don't call this a community is because uh, that makes it like a community is some kind of like people coming together, and um, and in Bitcoin, Bitcoin destroys the process of people coming together. Now that seems a little little. Uh, Anarchist, yeah, anarchist, but um, which I I think sometimes is a good thing. But uh, in a community, you you gain central powers, and so one funny thing about Bitcoin is that if anyone ever uh, gains some sort of like power in the space of Bitcoin, every Bitcoiner is just like just wary of them. So like right now, Elon Musk is like a freedom a speech guy, or whatever. Um, First Amendment advocate, yeah, or whatever. Um, all the Bitcoiners right now on my Twitter are just like we're all worried about him. Like every and yeah, if you get really? any inkling of power, um, who like Michael? Oh, not Michael Saylor. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of anyone right now. But yeah, 
anytime they they get some power and they misuse that power, they're just they're done for. So that is, that's interesting. I didn't know that people were kind of like sh- or looked upon differently once you kind of gain some power within yeah. the Bitcoin. Co- yeah, yeah, within the Bitcoin realm, I guess he would say. Yeah, because a lot of the a lot of the people are um, just like we're we're individuals, so. Um, we don't want anyone else having more power than us, I think. So we just make sure to cut them down if they get too much, and that's what Bitcoin does. I think that's fair. So was this sixty thousand the highest Bitcoin's ever gotten? Yeah, sixty nine, and then. Um, so it's down about forty thousand now because when I was looking at it today, it said Bitcoin was about like twenty eight or twenty nine, yeah, twenty nine thirty ish thousand dollars of Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty significant drop. Yeah, it is, and that's. Uh, Usually in those those cycles it, from the top, so mm-hmm. from sixty nine, uh, the cycle will bring it down eighty percent. So I don't know what that is. So but it's still it's still dropping. Though. Yeah, it's, it's definitely gonna go lower. And so um, I mean, I hope because I'll keep on, uh, as they say, stacking sats or getting the corn. <laughs> we love getting that corn here in Nebraska. Oh, so. yeah. that's never a bad thing. But that's so. If people were interested in Bitcoin, where do you where would you suggest that someone started? Yeah, that's that's definitely the hardest part. Um, I uh, it's it's complicated. So you know you got those uh, those exchanges, <coughs> and um, I I don't really like those exchanges because it kind of defeats the whole purpose of why Bitcoin was created, which is self custody. And if you don't if you don't know your private key, which is like twelve words, twenty four words, you don't own your Bitcoin. And um, in Bitcoin, code is law. And if you don't have that private key, it is not your Bitcoin, uh, even if it's on an exchange. So the best thing to do um, if you go through an exchange is to instantly get it off onto uh, an external wallet, such as like Electrum or a Blue Wallet. And then if you have like a hardware wallet. Uh, cold cards the best or uh, ledger um, I hate shouting these people out maybe I'll have to cut that but <laughs> um, yeah just external wallets are the best that's uh, for storing your yeah, storing your yeah, crypto because um, just examples like Coinbase in Russia they uh, didn't let about 25 accounts pull crypto out of their wallets which is I've heard a lot of different things about some of these recent online companies with uh, investing in crypto like uh Robinhood had those problems mm-hmm. with that game when the GameStop short happened, and a lot of like that's scary that these companies can just stop people from making money mm-hmm. because they say so. Like, yeah, that that scares me about Bitcoin and crypto in general. So that's kind of why I haven't I haven't really dipped my toe too much in investing. I kind I hopped on Dogecoin when Dogecoin was. Oh, I did too. Shout out to my uh, my my first college RA, Josh, for. Uh, for telling us about Dogecoin on one of our one of our weekly lunch trips at college, he was letting us know. He's like, "You guys gotta buy," and this was before any of us had really invested anything. So, he was telling us, "He's like, just download Robinhood, buy Dogecoin." He's like, "I'm telling you guys, it's gonna blow up," and he made us about three hundred to five hundred dollars a person. So that's awesome. Shout out to Josh. He was, he was a really cool guy. So, yeah, no, Doge is about as far as I've gotten within the crypto space, but I. I see the value in crypto, and I understand. I understand parts of it, um, but there's still parts I'm wary about. Don't want to be a. Oh, here we go. I don't want to be like a hater on all the other coins, but um, they they come in, promise something uh, that's better than Bitcoin, and then they end up, you know, going to zero or they crash uh, pretty badly, and so people lose faith um, in the crypto space and. I think you should lose faith in the crypto space and go into Bitcoin. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, you heard it here first. Jim's telling you guys to abandon crypto and go straight to Bitcoin. Yeah, it's. Um, I've heard I've heard rumors as well in the sphere of you know Twitter and everything else that gold might be making a comeback as well. Yeah, there, there could be a big rise in uh, the value of gold, especially since Russia just tied their dollar to the gold. Yeah, and it's been performing pretty well. I, I lately. yeah so. That whole Russia-Ukraine thing is crazy. We'll have to get to that in a yeah, episode. And we'll, yeah, we'll definitely. talk about that'll what's be, going on and that'll be something going on over there. But yeah, that no, that's the if gold were to make a comeback, what would that do to the respect of the Bitcoin? And yeah, 
the credit the Bitcoin's kind of gaining in the community since gold's kind of going down. Yeah, I think if if gold got a lot more respect in that, uh, well, there's a it's it's been on a downtrend ever since Bitcoin came out, um, like in the past ten years. So, I mean, if gold starts going up again, then we might see a pretty pretty hard crash of Bitcoin in terms of price. Uh, so, uh, you still. You, Bitcoin is still uh, more scalable in terms of distance um, or space, so it can be sent across the world faster. But other than that, uh, if people think that gold's a better store of value, then it is. So, yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, you have to decide whether a physical object or a electronic object is yeah. more valuable to you. So that is an interesting point. Yeah, like I said before, Bitcoin is an interesting thing that I attempted to dabble in but it's just it's a hard space to get into and to understand and you have to put the time in to really really understand what you're doing at bitcoin and like you said there's there's multi-layer of information that you need to understand before you even get involved in bitcoin so yeah i'm not yeah it's I'm not gonna sugarcoat it it's a long time to figure out um like how it works and a lot of stuff like that i've put in a lot of hours not just not just a weekend but weeks um over time but yeah i've put in a lot of hours learning about this and i still don't understand it fully all righty so getting into the final part of our show jim i thought we would talk about one of the most interesting things that's happened this year uh in pop culture uh, and that's the johnny Depp and the amber heard trial it's really exciting to be part of this piece of history you know i know this piece of history is just you know i cannot wait to tell my kids where i was when i was watching these <laughs> clips this is just so ridiculous. Like, listening to her lawyers try to justify the things that she did and to turn abuse on Johnny Depp into a victimization is insane to me. It's crazy. And the funniest part is that the people that they're bringing on are actual idiots. Oh, yeah. It, it's crazy that, like, anyone I've ever talked to is on Johnny's side, man or woman. It doesn't matter because their defense or their deposition, like in this case, Amber Heard's team has possibly the worst information and execution of a trial that I have ever seen. I mean, and you can't blame them all that much because usually public trials are ran flawlessly because they have to be like this team is making every single mistake that they can. The judge is having to explain how law works to them. Like, mm-hmm. these people are genuinely so stupid. And it just baffles me watching some of these videos. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to see that, yeah, these vi- these videos are they're just... Like, what do you think about the clip of the old man who was talking about r- reading these depositions and then making statements based on them? But they were completely wrong. It like, was he was a, so confusing. I didn't understand any of it. And I'm like... He's he's helping out Johnny here the entire time. Like I and thought I'm he was going against he's a witness. Him. <laughs> That's what I thought. I, but he's a witness for Amber Heard, yeah. who is butchering his like what he said at the initial time versus what he's saying on the stand. So mm-hmm. and that's that was a common theme for the the witnesses that she was bringing to the stand. Yeah, every single one of them is inconsistent. Nothing. So inconsistent. They were not they weren't being honest about what they were saying or what they were seeing. They were just making it up. And then once they were getting called out, they were trying to, like, save their ass. But once it got to that point, like, there was no saving themselves. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really interesting to see, like, just the shitstorm that has been caused from that trial. And it's honestly so interesting how quickly everyone jumped aboard because of what the news was previously, which was how bad gas prices are, which they are, and Russia and Ukraine. And that was all we heard. Yeah. So as soon as anything of semi-relevance popped up, instantly the media was on it and was hook, line, and sinker to the public. So it was it was interesting to see everyone kind of turn their head, very like snap to this Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, when in reality it probably would have just been like another everyday thing that – Maybe people who paid attention to, you know, pop culture and, like, drama of celebrities would l- listen to, but not everyone. And this has become, like, a national attention Yeah, I, I see it everywhere now. I think my favorite story um, on there is definitely 
when she talks about throwing the uh, throwing the glass bottle at his hand. It's like that one kid who has to like tell his mom like um, the like he didn't throw the ball at the base. You know, don't throw the ball in the house. Yeah, he throws the ball and he's like super like. No, mom, I tripped over a toy that was on the ground and I accidentally slapped it with my with my hand. Oh, it is. There's so it's too unrealistically much. specific. Like, yes, unrealistic. I was eight to ten feet away. From yeah, her. yeah. And she just it just happened to graze his hand as she threw yeah, the vodka just, she bottle. She just threw at it and it randomly hit the it bottom of his finger. It grazed the top of his finger off. That is all that happened. And she's saying that you can't edit these. Well, in reality, you can edit any picture on the iPhone. <laughs> Yeah, you could you could so, edit the. So you're saying that it was edited then on the iPhone, <laughs> like regardless, they're saying whether or not the photo was edited, and you're saying that it wasn't edited because it was on the iPhone. So you got to make up your mind here and decide, you know, where you're going with this trial. But it was just a utter collapse on the one side of Amber Heard, and it has just been a joy to watch for a lot of people. So yeah, yeah, it's I haven't seen any viral video that's like bad for Johnny nope, at all. Nope. All content that I've seen on anything has consisted in support for Johnny Depp yeah, and, like, yeah. the defamation of Amber Heard. Like, nobody cares about her. Like, go mm-hmm. away. Like, the, the people with Amber are not us. No no random person out there. And it's funny how you have, like, big corporate versus the rest of the individuals. Well, yeah, because she got the... And it's so funny that Johnny Depp comes out and is like, I literally got you the role in Aquaman. But that's like the one thing she tries to hold on to. She's like, I'm an Aquaman. I got this role in Aquaman. And literally the movie cut her down to like less than like five minutes or something in the movie. So like her FaceTime got like completely butchered. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see where her career goes on. And it'll be interesting to see what Johnny Depp does. I'll see. It'll be interesting to see if he retires or if he comes... Swinging with some big hit movies. So. I think that he's definitely done with Pirates of the Caribbean. I think he is he done said with that. that he said he is... wouldn't even come back for like three hundred million dollars and another million llamas. So it's yeah, I heard about the llamas, but it's it's I I think Captain Jack Sparrow is one of my favorite characters in like movie uh, cinematic whatever you call it for of all time. He it's is so good. Honestly, like I was a lot. One of the I think the best things to come out of this trial was seeing all of the roles that Johnny Depp has played through the years that I didn't even think about. Like, the immense library of characters that that guy is able to portray in his work is insane. Crazy. Like, he went from Jack Sparrow to Willy Wonka in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland Mm -hmm. to all of these other iconic characters. Edward Scissorhands. Like, these guys are so iconic in movie culture that, like, he represents major films in almost every single era that you can look at, which is so crazy. Mm-hmm. And to think that he'll never do those is really sad again. Yeah, but it is. I hope he comes out with a big project at some point to hopefully round out his career in a way that doesn't cut it too short anyway. I bet I bet that'll happen. He'll, he'll be all right. All righty, so to wrap up our show today, me and Jimmy, we're going to go over some interesting facts about Nebraska that some of you may not have known, and then I, maybe we'll throw in... Another fact towards the end, maybe maybe not. We'll see um, if we get to it. So a couple facts that I thought were pretty interesting is that uh, if you didn't know, Nebraska's in the middle of the country, so uh, not really able to touch any major bodies of water. But being that fact about Nebraska that it doesn't touch any of those, it is actually the only triply landlocked state, uh, meaning that you have to pass through at least three other states in order to get to another state within. Or Wait, it's in the order- only one? It's the only state that is tri- that is triply landlocked. Dang. You have to get to you have to travel through three other states in order to get to a major body of water, bay, or that type of thing. Wow, I actually never knew that. I so. didn't know that either, so that's pretty interesting. Hmm. So Nebraska is the home of the nation's smallest town, Maskell, Nebraska, uh, which has only seventy people in it, which is it's a small town. That's crazy. That's really small. It's like little. Yeah, I, I mean. How many families are there? You got like five families. <laughs> that's, say, that's, that's my entire, that's one side of my family. That's yeah. my family living out of town. So, Yeah, so it's been like that since the 1930s. That's crazy. To stay that small since the 30s is genuinely nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Omaha uh, used to have a law that pro- prohibited those that tested positive for gonorrhea from getting married, uh, which is said to be in order to test the ability of both marital parties before the union, which is... It's kind of insane, you know. You get to like 
what else can you do with that law? Like, hey, yeah, like you're you're, <laughs> you're STD testing people. For yeah, what, you, what else? What other? You have a weird genetic sequence. Maybe we should yeah, do that. So yeah, that's some that is some really weird stuff going on when you have to test people before they get married. That's a good point. Like testing for mutations and that type of stuff. Yeah. Like, if they went to that extent, that would be that's scary. That's scary. Um, so this one we me and Jim didn't talk about, but I'll throw it out there. So I was reading about George Washington and obviously, you know, such a major icon in our history. So you've heard about George Washington's wooden teeth, right? No. So, I, so no, no, you know, mm, I, long time ago, I, I don't. Yeah. So I the story when we were kids that. is that George Washington had wooden teeth, right? That he chopped down his tree tree to make. So that was, that's not true. Okay. So he did have wooden teeth. The, he had later in his life he had dentures that were made out of wood. Well, the teeth in the dentures were actual real teeth that he pulled from his slaves to create these dentures that he wore. And they have pictures of it online that you can look up. So if you look up George Washington's real wooden teeth, it will pull up an image of this contraption. And it is... I'll pull it up for you, James, and you can react to what the image looks like and explain it to people. When I found this out, it blew my mind. So, for any of you guys listening, if you want to look up George Washington's real wooden teeth, it's worth a Google. But Dude, they'd come, they'd destroy Washington, D.C. they destroy anything named Washington. Yep. Well, that guy's on the dollar. And, like... <laughs> Burn all the dollars. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff about presidents. And maybe maybe we'll... Maybe that'll be a theme. Maybe that we'll should throw be in an a, episode. Maybe we'll throw in a president fact episode. We'll go in some deep dives on some weird facts about episode uh, About presidents within U.S. history and... Some you, facts about them, but like, like, uh, what is it? FDR with Rick and Morty, but that one's real. <laughs> Have I, you seen that when no. FDR is like a like a su- weird spider thing with polio? Is it FDR that had polio? Yes. Oh yeah, it's funny. But yeah, Jim, look at this haunting picture of George Washington's real teeth. Holy cow, that's it's ghastly when you look at it. Like it, yeah, it's haunting, but it is, <laughs> it's crazy. How many does it say? How many slaves? Or is it like one tooth per slave? I don't, I don't remember what I read here. Let me see if I can find any information on it on this page that I'm on. Um, Maybe one tooth per slave, like, isn't isn't that bad? You know, it's still pretty bad. This one rumor <laughs> that I heard, this one thing I heard said that he paid his slaves like okay. some some shillings for their teeth, but like, how much how much are you are you forcing them and then paying them for their Dude, teeth like, or ah. Just ripping out a healthy tooth like that—that that would hurt. Yeah, so it hurt for days. Oh, probably like over a month. But yeah, it's it's crazy, and apparently the problem with it is that not only did he have like all of these problems with his original teeth, but then once he put this giant and it was controlled by a spring, so on the back of it, that's how he like opened and closed his mouth. So he was always having to like close, like keep his mouth closed. So that's why when you see pictures of George Washington, that's why he's kind of got that bolt to the front of his mouth. Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Pretty interesting. So I think with that fact, me and Jim are ready to wrap up our first van cast. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. fun. So I think me and Jim will definitely be doing another one. So let us know. Give us some feedback on what you guys thought about it. You know, if we need to turn up the audio or if you – if you guys have any suggestions about things we should talk about or other people that we should have on because you know we could definitely have guests on and that type of thing once we start getting a fan base so yeah especially audio audio is um be be nitpicky about that because we always like to keep that um that that good but yeah we're in a van right now so hopefully the (coughs) the uh the what do you call it the acoustics acoustics there we go those are uh Those are top-notch. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.